Greetings and welcome to Surveillance Report 10. It has been almost three months now that we've been doing this, so it's kind of crazy how time flies. I feel like I just started this a while ago, and it's nice that we're finally stuck to a more uh, dedicated weekly format. So I'm very excited to keep this going, and um, it's great seeing the positive feedback. These videos have like 99, 98% like-dislike ratios, so you guys love them. I enjoy doing them. Uh, I look forward to continue doing these. Today's promo spot's a little bit personal because I've been using Orange website for the last like five years on the channel. I registered my domain through them and I also have been using them for web hosting. And what Orange website is, is they pretty much um, act as a proxy for your domain host. So you don't have to register with your actual Whois information. Um, you can also pay with Bitcoin. I registered with absolutely no personal information. So. The fact that that's an option is awesome. Um, I had multiple issues that their customer support helped with immediately. And just overall, I was just so happy with Orange website. Um, they're also based out of Iceland and they use only solar servers. And yeah, it's great. Um, and I figured out they have an affiliate plan. So I can actually start recommending that to you guys and you guys can contribute to the channel. Um, so if you're looking for VPS, if you're looking for a um, domain, if you're looking for web hosting, Orange website is something I can personally recommend. And I've just had an excellent experience with them. They're even recommended on the Privacy Tools IO website, so seriously, you cannot go wrong with Orange website. To start with the news, this week had a lot of Corona stuff, so we're going to have Corona be its own category like we did a few weeks back. First, we finally have new data, incidents, and research that show us some kind of information about these new contact tracing applications. Security researchers have stepped up questioning the security of relying on Bluetooth, and inherently insecure protocol which constantly suffers from issues. Unfortunately, there's not much more said in this first article outside of researchers voicing their concerns. However, there's been, as far as I know, the first leak which is related to tracing applications. A Dutch COVID-19 tracking app, COVID-19 alert application, accidentally published 200 names, emails, and encrypted passwords from another app it linked to to the internet. This didn't abuse the actual protocol itself, the, the actual tracking aspect of COVID-19, but it should hopefully have you asking who is handling your data and how it's being handled. Speaking of Dutch Corona apps, an attorney general has come out saying that none of the seven apps deemed to be safe from the government actually met the legal standards of Dutch law, at least yet, and there needs to be more evaluation of these practices, especially in relation to security and privacy. This is kind of the pattern we're seeing with pretty much everything at this point. Um, we're just rushing to get the tech out without thinking twice about whether or not it is legitimately safe for us. So this is just an excellent uh, example of this happening, even in a country that's normally very privacy oriented. And finally, a figure has come out showing about 2 billion phones, 2 billion, cannot use Google and Apple contact tracing technology, which seems to be the direction this is all headed as they're easier to implement on a grand scale versus everyone having to install an application. Not only are there people who don't own iOS and Android devices, but it also requires Bluetooth low energy, which is a relatively new technology not found in older phones. So if you have an older Android or iOS device, you likely won't have support for this. I'm overall very excited to see all these news articles come out because this is the first real data and um, actual uh, stories that we're starting to see that aren't just speculation, like, oh, these seem like they're horrible for privacy. We've actually started beginning to see the implications of all of these just data hoggers. Um, although to be fair, these are very, very early on and they didn't really have that many huge effects. Um, the fact we're already seeing them is pretty concerning. 
Even though we got some of that much needed evidence of the privacy intrusions related to these tracing apps, uh, there's still negative news this week about coronavirus. Plenty of it. The French and German government specifically, they are developing a contact tracing protocol named Robert. Not to be confused with <laughs> Winscribe's Robert. In their defense, this is meant to be privacy-preserving, hence the ER in Robert from the ER in Preserving. Um, in all honesty, the amount of hoops they jumped through to make the name Robert work is just absolutely hilarious. Um, Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, is short for robust, Rob, robust, and, and privacy-preserving proximity tracing protocol. So... Robust and privacy preserving proximity t t Robert tracing protocol. So they kind of just picked out random syllables from this long name to make Robert work. I, just a side note, I thought it was hilarious. Um, anyway, they've posted the technical specifications on GitHub with plenty of documents explaining their work. This is all nice, but the TechCrunch article breaks down several issues right off the bat, like no guaranteed anonymity for users and extreme centralization of data. However, it seems that Germany may have actually changed this to address these concerns because they are now implementing a much more decentralized process. So, yay? However, it seems France really isn't on the same page as Germany here as they've taken the complete opposite direction. Um, Apple and France are now in a battle. France is pressing Apple to let its tracing app work in the background on iPhones without building in the privacy measures that Apple wants to include. So go Apple in this event, but also France, come on, man, what's going on here? It's so fascinating seeing the politics between companies and countries, because at the end of the day, these companies have an immense amount of power. Um, Apple is arguably a much more powerful entity than France in a lot of ways. On the other hand of the spectrum, Bulgaria is the newest country testing out a home arrest bracelet. It's not actually called that. It's, of course, much less menacing. Um, it's called, quote, life wristbands. Yeah, it sounds amazing, right? These devices monitor user heart rate and can be used to call emergency services. Two things I really don't think are necessary in tackling coronavirus, so I don't know why those are included. Make no mistake, this band is for home arrest. It alerts authorities if you leave home or try to remove the device. That's the main purpose of this device. So anything else, this life wristband thing, yeah, whatever. This to me is it's just crazy. I can't even believe that people are not out on the streets protesting that they have a home arrest bracelet on. That that definitely goes past my boundaries. I can't imagine myself wearing one of those. But also, like, what choice do you have, right, if the police come knocking on your door? So it's kind of a tricky subject, but scary altogether. And finally, the U.S. has decided it wants a piece of the pie. Palantir, I believe that's how you pronounce it, an analytics company with close ties to Donald Trump, is supporting the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in building a tool that tracks coronavirus spread. This pulls data from federal, state, and local governments, healthcare facilities, and colleges to help officials determine how to prevent the virus. As if we don't already have that answer, social distance, do we really need mountains of data on every citizen to know how to tackle this virus? Uh, side note, this is the company known for its surveillance and analytic work for the U.S. government in the past, including offering a profiling tool to ICE and predictive policing software to the city of New Orleans. Fun fact, uh, the name of the company, Palantir, is a reference to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It means the, the elvish word for all-seeing. So it's a clever name, I'll give it that, but also it's literally called all-seeing. So yeah, if that doesn't tell you some things about the company. 
However, let's not be fully negative because there are some positive things that happened this week with Corona. Israel has stopped police phone tracking as a result of privacy concerns. The Connecticut town Westport has decided to ditch its plans to use drones to tackle coronavirus because of their possibly weak security. Drones have been used in countries like China and Ghana, so it's nice to see this not expand very often. And finally, Apple and Google have pledged to shut down the coronavirus tracker once the pandemic blows over. This is nice because there was a lot of concerns uh, on my end as well that once they bake this feature into the operating systems, are they just going to keep it there? Is that something that's just going to be on that's going to be used for, you know, other projects in the future? So it seems like they are planning to cancel this out. But I also have doubts that the functionality and the research and the just the whole science behind these contact tracing apps won't be used for something else in the future maliciously. It just seems to be human nature that we repurpose things that are meant to do good for bad. That, my friends, is all of the coronavirus news from the past week. So let's move on to that normal surveillance report channel stuff. As always, companies are our first category, and Zoom is back in the headlines. So security researchers discovered it was possible for someone to obtain a full list of Zoom users inside a specific organization. This is not to be confused with that domain sharing feature we talked about in the Zoom video. This exploited the way XMPP is utilized in the Zoom chat to receive a list of users associated with the domain. This issue has now been fixed. A church was recently Zoom bombed, where the attacker played child pornography for everyone in the meeting. This is just one of many attacks that have happened that are similar to this, and this doesn't seem to be, you know, fixed anytime soon. And lastly, there is another Zoom vulnerability that allows hackers to record meetings even when hosts disable the recording functionality, allowing them to anonymously record the meeting. This is kind of a stretch because this malware affects any software and isn't specific to Zoom, and Zoom responded with this information, ensuring this isn't really anything they can do about it. So yeah, I personally don't see the big deal here. Someone could just point a phone at a screen too, or screen record with OBS, or I'm sure there's any workaround to get it through this. So even if this was Zoom's fault, I, I wouldn't see this being a big deal. Definitely, I, I think just, just going for headlines on this one here. Amazon had a couple articles. Ring, the smart doorbell owned by Amazon, is evaluating adding facial recognition and license plate scanning tools to their products. This was discovered because of a confidential survey sent to beta testers. Don't forget that Ring is the same company sharing video and data with hundreds of police around the country and other government entities. So do you really want them also implementing facial recognition because you're essentially allowing police um, the access to facial recognition around the country, which is just terrible news. And internal company documents have shown Amazon executives requesting and accessing data from specific marketplace vendors, despite their policies prohibiting this and going to court previously saying they don't do this. Amazon, come on, man, what are you doing? Almost every news article I see about Amazon just pushes them further and further towards a evil corporation. I mean, we've known for a long time they're evil, but I guess the news doesn't normally help them. The gaming world has been kind of in a frenzy lately. The source code of Team Fortress 2 and Counter-Strike were leaked and published for anyone to download. There were original concerns with possible exploits, but Valve has come out saying go for it, it's not a big deal, but we recommend using our official servers. So if you are someone who's going to be doing that, just make sure you try to stick to the official game. It's a free game, Team Fortress 2, so yeah, just play the free game. 
Nintendo has confirmed 160,000 accounts were accessed in a hacking attempt that started in the beginning of April. This included nicknames, date of births, countries, and email addresses. Nintendo is urging users to enable two-factor authentication. For the record, you should be enabling two-factor authentication for every website that allows it. And as a bonus tip, do not use two-factor authentication within your password manager, which is a huge thing that's been happening lately. You don't want to have the thing you're supposed to know with the thing you're supposed to have inside the same location. It's still an improvement. It's still a good thing to have because even, for example, two-factor authentication in this Nintendo case uh, would have actually prevented someone from accessing your account because the breach didn't happen inside your password manager. Um, however, it's still good practice to separate the two. Facebook records. 267 million of them are being sold on a hacker forum for, wait for it, $600. This includes Facebook profiles, full names, a unique ID for each account, timestamps, phone numbers, and more, all because of a misconfigured server from December of 2019. To put this into perspective, this puts your Facebook profile information and personal data to a total cost of 0.0002 cents. Um, so that is now how much you're worth. It's still remarkable to me how many people use Facebook. I, I think this is just going off memory. I think that the, the website, which is relatively recent, said that I think 73% of Americans still use Facebook. If you go out on the street and you ask four people, do you use Facebook? Three of them will tell you yes. This is just ludicrous. I, I can't even imagine. I don't know why people want to use Facebook anymore after all the stuff that's come out about them. It's not even a good social media platform in general, if you ask me. It's just, uh, I really don't like Facebook. On to research, my friends. This is the most research we've ever had in an episode. So we got three research categories, starting with statistics and studies. Have you ever been inside an application and then you're talking about something super duper specific, like the iPad should have a stock calculator app, and then before you know it, you get an advertisement for the same thing you were talking about, and you think to yourself, they have to be listening to me. Um, this is kind of a mystery, because we don't really know if it's true or not. There seems to be mixed information, but what we do know is there's tons of anecdotal evidence, right? You have so many people posting about they've never mentioned anything about this before. They say it once, and then boom, they get an advertisement for it. Uh, like a few hours later. So there's lots of weird evidence to point to this, but we've never actually technically proven anything. But a very extensive research paper has been published exploring this very question, which you should read the whole thing. It's very well done. The conclusion is that, well, it's possible, but there's no evidence. Quote, under the current levels of data collection transparency in iOS and Android, sophisticated eavesdropping operations could potentially be run by adversaries without being detected. At this time, no estimate can be made as to the probability and economic viability of such attacks. Leaving this whole problem back to that original question mark. But it does show that it is possible. And what we found is that if it's possible, it's likely being done by someone, um, especially on platforms like Android. If you haven't, go to YouTube, type in, uh, I don't know his exact name off the top of my head, but type in Enigma 2019 Conference Android Permissions. There's a researcher from UC Berkeley who studies this, and he's actually the owner of AppCensus. And what they do is they look at how 
web developers bypass permissions on Android. They use very, very clever workarounds in order to get through the traditional permission restrictions that Android imposes. And it's super cool research. He goes into these and uh, some of them he doesn't even think are done on purpose. They're done on accident and web developers aren't aware that they're collecting such unique uh, device information that they shouldn't be obtaining. Uh, so yeah, just a recommended watch. That's a really, really cool piece of research that kind of ties a little bit into this. In a quick statistic, it's been found that almost half of all Australian security incidents in 2019 occurred from employees being the weakest link. This lines up with what we pretty much know already, is that the user is normally the easiest person to a target in an attack. And half of Americans have supposedly decided not to use a product or service because of privacy concerns which I think is a very positive and encouraging thing to hear. I'll take anything in this very often depressing field. Onwards to vulnerabilities. One was discovered for the iOS Mail app, which was a zero-click attack on iOS 13 and a bit less severe in previous versions, but this has been a vulnerability since iOS 6. This only affects the stock Apple Mail application. So until it's patched, it's highly recommended for you to disable the Mail app and use another email client from the App Store. To add, there are suspected targets from the vulnerability, including executives and journalists from several countries. Funny enough, Apple has come out and said they found no evidence of hackers exploiting this flaw in the real world, and even said these vulnerabilities are not sufficient to bypass iPhone and iPad security protections. <laughs> so who's telling the truth here? Honestly, uh, I, I don't think that a Apple's in the right here. It seems like there's plenty of research that this guy did. He included pretty much evidence for everything, and then Apple just comes forward and says, well, this isn't actually that serious and it didn't actually affect anyone based on our own research, and it didn't actually publish anything, this is just a PSA. IBM has also come under fire for having four zero days, which the researcher reported to their official bug vulnerability disclosure program, which they ignored. So the researcher posted his findings on GitHub instead, savage move, good on him since IBM ended up responding saying it was a process error on their end. Okay, IBM, sure thing. An Android Trojan has emerged, mostly in Spanish and Portuguese-speaking countries, that is able to steal credentials for common banking applications. There's really not much more to say here. It's, I guess, a pretty typical malware attack. Uh, just know that if you are in one of these Spanish or Portuguese-speaking countries, that you should probably look at this article and see different precautions you can take to prevent this. If you need another reason to avoid a third-party antivirus software, as if there aren't enough, Here's one more. <laughs> Security experts from Iraq 9-11 Labs discovered Simlink race vulnerabilities in 28 of the most popular antivirus products that affected all major desktop operating systems, including Linux. This vulnerability results from a program creating files in an insecure manner. I'm begging you, whoever is listening, if you know how to distinguish a safe and an unsafe website, and you check for phishing attacks, and you do the basics and you understand the basics of how to protect yourself on the internet, you do not need a third-party antivirus. The only desktop platform you probably should have any antivirus on is Windows, and for that, you can just use Windows Defender. It's actually improved a lot over the years, and it's pretty comparable to any paid antivirus. They're, they're a huge concern privacy-wise. They're collecting all data about you, and we don't know what they're doing with that data. They can cause their own security issues, as we just talked about. 
and they're normally not free. And on top of that, well, there are other uh, issues with antiviruses, like if an antivirus is always giving you false positives and you are bypassing them manually, is it really going to protect you for when you actually get a real threat? Uh, So there's also the question of how effective are they in real-world use case. In general, I just, I, I can't really recommend antiviruses that much. Finally, to finish research, we have one leak. Researchers from VPN Mentor found a database with 42 million records belonging to a France-based exercise firm, Kinomap. They did not respond to the researchers and left the database exposed for public access. This included a great deal of personal data, and I'm sure a GDPR fine is on their way. It's time for politics. I'm dying. This is such a long episode. The U.S. has been offering loans to businesses as part of their coronavirus relief. Unfortunately, about 8,000 business owners may have been exposed to other applicants. This included names, social security numbers, tax IDs, addresses, date of births, emails, phone numbers, marital statuses, and citizenship statuses, household sizes, income, and Yeah, honestly, pretty much everything you are told never to share with anyone else (laughs) was exposed. This wasn't believed to have been abused, luckily, but still, wow. This specifically isn't much of new news, but U.S. senators have urged cybersecurity officials to defend the health sector. That's really about it. Meanwhile, uh, there have been cybersecurity vulnerabilities discovered in FCC systems who received 136 recommendations to improve those systems. So maybe the U.S. senators should be talking outside of just the health sector and applying uh, those letters to pretty much any field of the U.S. government. International news, uh, Australia definitely made the headlines this week because Australian universities plan to use exam monitoring software, which monitors students through webcams as they take exams from home during the pandemic. These platforms require students to upload biometric information like photo ID before exams and require access to the computer's webcam, mic, and keystrokes to prevent cheating. Students have thankfully spoken up, and this is now an ongoing debate with a questionable result. Just a good reminder that if you are being affected by something that you feel is uh, intrusive to your privacy, you should always stand up and say something about it because most likely you're not alone. India is next who has been found to block more web pages than Pakistan, Bahrain, and the UAE combined. India has been found to have, quote, installed the highest number of internet filtering systems. I know India is our second largest viewer base outside the US, so if you're listening from YouTube, drop a comment below with your thoughts. I'm actually very curious to see what you think about this. Supposedly, most of the censorship revolves around URLs, including content related to the deaths of Muslims of Burma and other atrocities on the minorities of India. So I'd like to hear if this is true um, and and also your opinions on it. I'm just, I'm not very familiar with um, Indian politics, so I'd be very, I'd like to be enlightened. If you're listening on the podcast, you can just go to the YouTube video as well and leave a comment. Um, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that as well. Our last political article is a good one. The Netherlands have committed to free and open source software as a default for internal affairs. That's awesome. Good work. Keep it up. And finally, we made it through all the way to the Misfits. Webkins, I have not heard that name since middle school, has been pwned. 23 million usernames and passwords from the children's game. This was all thanks to an SQL injection vulnerability. Luckily, the only personal data exposed was hashes for the parents' emails. Wink, wink, parent emails. 
I'm sure it's mostly just adults uh, putting in their own emails, right? Or is this actually a kid's game? I, I don't know. I've never played it. <laughs> this here is just a classic misfit story. An online auction of a record-breaking whiskey collection was hit by a cyber attack. It's very unclear what happened from this, there's no information, but I felt this was such a hilariously random thing to target, so I put it in. The Air Force, the ones with the planes, has announced it wants people to try and hack its satellite in orbit. This is going to be a DEF CON event, which will have qualification rounds, and yes, actually involves a real orbiting satellite. Ooh. This is actually a cool move on their end, as they're semi-opening up their systems, something very rare to happen for the Air Force, despite an immense number of issues in how they've been handling their own cybersecurity. So this is reassuring for the future of cybersecurity of at least the Air Force. Next up, a genetic testing lab has suffered a data breach that may have exposed medical information on nearly a quarter million people. If you still think giving your DNA to some random company is a good idea, this is just one more reason that I can tell you it's not. This is going to work against everybody who ever submitted their DNA someday. Just, you will get screwed over if you do this. And finally, those stimulus checks, that $1,200 one-time payment the US is sending to people, which is supposedly going to fix all of our financial burdens during the pandemic, is really easy to check the status on um, online, to the point where landlords are illegally spying on the status of their tenants' stimulus checks. Now that is scary. And, I mean, I don't really know what to say. I can't imagine my, my tenant, because I, I live in an apartment, I can't imagine my tenant coming to me, or even just on their own terms, going to see whether or not I receive my checks so that I can afford rent. Definitely very spooky stuff. I think that the craziest thing is that even though the tool is relatively accessible, I think it requires uh, your social security number, date of birth, and your home address. It seems like the tenants were mostly getting the social security number from previous breaches. So that would uh, mostly be Experian, the Experian data hack that happened some time ago, um, at least according to the source that told this story. So it's interesting that tenants actually went this far out of their way to locate the data from the Experian hack. And that, my friends, is all of the news for the week. This was kind of a crazy week, so thank you for watching all the way through. Thanks for tuning in. Very much appreciated. Um, once again, I want to go ahead and plug Orange website. That's going to be um, the way that you can support us, at least in this surveillance report. Uh, you can find their information in the description. I've been personally using them forever, and I just learned they had an affiliate program, which I was super excited to learn about. So if you want to support us through that, join Orange website. I can't recommend them enough. And also, thank you so much to the patrons. We are about to hit our next goal, which is $100 a month. I think we're like $4 away, so awesome stuff. Um, thank you all for your support. It's just amazing. That's all I have to say. Um, check out where to follow us and join our communities below. Uh, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And if you're on the podcast, well, just you tuning in was just incredible. So thank you all so much for watching and have a great day. I'll see you next week.